You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Manchester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. Okay, let's stand our feet. Can we do that while we just read the Word of God? Just three or four verses, that's all for you this morning. Mark chapter 11. We also read a similar passage to this in John chapter two. But Mark chapter 11 says this, On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. As He taught them, He said, "'Is it not written, "'My house will be called a house of prayer "'for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers.'" Luke chapter two, verse 49, Jesus says this, "'Why were you searching for Me?' He asked. "'Did you not know I had to be in My Father's house?' John two, verse seven, Then His disciples remembered this prophecy from the Scripture, passion for God's house will consume me. Lord, we thank You that we know faith comes by hearing Your Word. And so God, I pray in these moments that I have, help me to be eloquent and succinct. But more than that, I pray that faith would increase on our lives and in our lives as we spend these moments in Your Word. Thank You for this moment. Thank You for this time that we have together. Bless all of our locations right now. We pray in Jesus' Name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen. Amen. Why don't you grab a seat? This is a moment where when I get to heaven, I wanna watch the replay of it because it's the moment that we just read in Mark chapter 11 when Jesus gets mad. Now I gotta be honest, there's not many people that when they get mad, I get nervous. When my mum gets mad, I get nervous. She is 88, she lives in Australia. And uh, she is uh, about two foot one. And when she gets mad, I still get scared. And she's like uh, the eye of Sauron searching for her precious. She knows when I'm having even a mischievous thought. The phone rings, she's like, why did you think that? I'm like, how did you know? It's because she's got a hotline to heaven and God speaks to her. Don't tell her I said any of that. The other person who when she gets scared, um, uh, angry, I get scared, it's my wife because uh, I've been married for 28 years, long enough to know that different looks have different meanings. One look that she gives me is a look of adoration. That doesn't happen very often. Most of the looks, because she's Latin, are looks that say, I'm gonna kill you because she's Latin and she's a little little bit, you know, loco. She's muy loco, she's very crazy. She's, she's full Latin and, uh, and, and things. I, I started learning Spanish three years ago. I regret it because now I know what she says to me when she's angry. Ignorance is bliss, that's all I'm saying. But, but in this moment here, Jesus goes to the temple. He's going into the house of God. Let's use the word church for now. He goes in and He's disappointed with what He discovers. Now, He'd been to this place many times before, but in going into the temple area, almost if you like the foyer of church, He's disappointed with church. He's disappointed with what's going on in the temple. Growing up in country Australia, I had a neighbour who um, for whatever reason didn't like me very much. It could be to do with the fact that one day I knocked down his wall or one day to do with the fact that I burnt down all the hedge that grew up the side of his house, the ivy. 
um, I put a few cricket balls through his windows over the years. And one day, my next door neighbour, his name was Ray, he wagged his finger at me. He said, son, the problem is this, is you do not respect my house. And I think that's what's happening here in the Gospel account in Mark chapter 11. Jesus is upset because people are not respecting the house. In fact, it's interesting here because I notice that He says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And I wanna make a few observations for you from this passage today. And the first observation that I note is this, is I notice that Jesus calls this a house. He never called it a ceremony. He didn't say my ceremony will be called a ceremony of prayer. He says my house will be called a house of prayer. Now we live in Britain. We are good at ceremony. We know how to do ceremony. With the honour of being at, at, at the Queen's funeral at the Abbey a few months ago and then the King's coronation and even walking with the royal clergy on that red carpet. I remember walking in the midst of the pomp and ceremony of the moment, looking and seeing President Biden there at the funeral and our Prime Minister here and walking in that moment, the pomp and the ceremony was amazing. In fact, you look it up in the dictionary, pomp and ceremony. Pomp means this, an ostentatious or vain display. The dictionary defines ceremony as any formal act or observance, especially a meaningful one or meaningless one. Jesus doesn't say my ceremony will be a ceremony of prayer. He says my house will be called a house of prayer. Imagine this scenario with me. I come home after being away on a trip somewhere around the world. And when I arrive home, is this what you think happens at my house? Outside the door, front door of my house, my two children are lined up. They're they're young adults now. They're lined up there. And then my wife is there and I get out of the car and I walk up on red carpet to the front door of my house. Is that what you think happens? As my son shakes me by the hand, my daughter kisses me. My wife says, we've prepared a a freshly baked uh, five course meal for you, my husband. To which I say, thank you, darling. And we walk into the dining room where we sit down and I say, Grace, I start my meal. The family start their meal. When I finish, they finish. And then we retire to the smoking room. (laughs) Is that what you think happens in my house? Well, I'm here to tell you something. If I expect that to happen in my house and expect my wife to treat it like a ceremony, I got news for you, she's Latin. She's gonna kill me. But because she loves God, she'll raise me from the dead again just so she can kill me again. Because I don't live in a ceremony, I live in a house. Now, what you gotta know about our house is this, is sometimes we like each other, even better, sometimes we love each other. There are other times in our house where it's like, "Eh, there's a fight breaking out. There are some times you come to my house, it looks like a show home. Usually when my children have not been in the house. No, no, no. Uh, uh, And there are other times when you walk in, you're like, wow, where's all this stuff come from? Listen, Jesus didn't call this a ceremony. He called it a house. Where sometimes we get it right and sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes the PA works fantastic and other times we have a ringing like we had in the nine o'clock service. Sometimes the LED wall works well and other times the hippo that works at the LED crashes. Sometimes Pastor Glenn preaches, he's on fire. And there are other times when Pastor Glenn preaches where even the Holy Spirit says, you're on your own son, I'm off for a latte. (laughs) He never called this a ceremony. 
little while back, we had a guy come to our church for the very first time. I met him at the door and uh, I said, hi, my name's Glenn. And, and I, I said, is it your first time? I've not seen you before. He says, yes, first time. I've come to make sure that everything you're doing is correct. I said to him, well, have a good Sunday, knowing full well he was gonna hate it. Because it's, it's, it's not the investigation so much as the spirit of a person. And I could just tell that was, huh. After the service, uh, I ended up running into him in the foyer. I said, how did you enjoy church? Which is a ridiculous question to ask anyway, because it's not about our enjoyment, it's about our service, our duty, our worship, but we won't even get into that. How did you enjoy church? He says, terrible, I hated it. I thought, wow, no need to be so honest. I said, what did you hate? And then he started to tell me everything he didn't like. He said, oh, the band were okay. Uh, but it wasn't until you got up to preach where you formally prayed. You didn't even read, uh, read out a prayer that was written down. It was extemporaneous. And then you didn't even preach from the King James Version. You used the NIV Version. And he began to tell me everything he hated. And then he made the mistake of drawing a breath, inhaling. And so as he inhaled, I exhaled. And I said to him this, I said, maybe what you should do is this. Come back to church tomorrow, Monday morning. Maybe what you should do is come and be a part of the teams during the week. The teams, you know, that go into the schools, the teams that feed people, the, the join the Audacious Foundation, A teams, maybe you should join the creative team. And I began to list everything that happens from Monday to Saturday in the life of church. And then I said, do you think maybe if you did part of that and you joined a small group and you got into community and you really got to know people and you understood the context for the why behind the why, do you think maybe then you'd enjoy church? He said, yeah, maybe I would. You see, the difference was really simple. He came to a ceremony, but I came to a house. And we have a choice in our faith to either treat church like a 75 minute now, is that what we're doing? 75 minute ceremony, or we can realise Jesus never spoke about the ceremony. He said, this is a house. My house will be called a house of prayer. In fact, Luke 2.49, it's an amazing verse because Jesus says, why were you searching for me? Now, do you know the context of the passage? His earthly parents, Joseph and um, Mary, thank you. <laughs> they go up to Jerusalem to go to the temple for worship and they lost Jesus. They lost God at church. How many people actually do that today? We're so maybe busy, not you, because you're perfect, but the next service definitely are like this. We're, we're, we're so ceremony focused about things. We go home and talk about the ceremony and assess the ceremony and ask questions about the ceremony, but Jesus never called it a ceremony. He said, it's a, it's a house. Friend, don't lose Jesus in the house. We won't. It's now up to you. That's why we arrive to church for worship because we're worshipping the head of the house. That's why we involve Him in our lives because He's the centre. It's a house, not a ceremony. Is that okay? Come on, is that okay? I know you get it, you're perfect, but the nine o'clock, woo, I gotta tell you. My second observation is this, is that I notice here that He calls it a house. He never called it a hotel. He didn't say my hotel would be called a hotel of prayer. He says my house will be called a house of prayer. Now I gotta be honest, I, I love hotels, I do. My favourite hotel in the world is in Singapore. It's called the Shangri-La. And I gotta tell you, it's La. First time I went to the Shangri-La, I woke up to have breakfast. I went down into the restaurant area, 
Oh, that fan's nice. I went down to the restaurant area and this beautiful Singaporean lady in Singaporean dress, she, she bowed, she says, sir, welcome. I thought, that's amazing. I wish my wife would bow to me in the morning and I can say that because she's in Aberdeen this weekend. And she says, is your first time to the Shangri-La? I says, no, not really. And she said, sir, let, let me take you around and show you. And she, she showed me around this restaurant where, where we'd be eating all the foods from around the world for breakfast. It was amazing. Worst hotel in the world, Birmingham, England. <laughs> Gotta be honest. In fact, I don't know, just as a little bit of a side issue because uh, I've got 10 minutes extra to preach in this service than the last one. Uh, did you hear about the recent, recent survey that happened in Birmingham? They went to Birmingham and said, what's Britain's second city? And everyone in Birmingham said, Birmingham is. The survey went to Liverpool, and asked all the Scousers, what's Britain's second city? And then everyone in Liverpool said, Liverpool is. And when they came to Manchester, they said, what's Britain's second city? And we said, London is. <laughs> Worst hotel, worst hotel. Oh, how is it you clap the joke more than Jesus? Come on, you backsliders. But here's the thing, right? Is, is, is the worst hotel with Birmingham without a shadow of doubt. And every now and again, when I drive through Birmingham like I did on Friday night and drove past that, ho- that hotel, I still got a little bit of PTSD and I'm still trying to get rid of that rash on my leg that I got, it was a nasty hotel. One of the things that frustrates me about hotels is those key cards that just never work. You know, you hold it up to the door and it's red and all you want is the green and it's red and you go back and then the receptionist tells you off for holding it too near your phone. Just give me a key that works. The thing I love about hotels, and I love this, is I have no responsibility whatsoever. None, nada, zip, zero, I love that. I can get in the morning into the shower in the hotel and, and there's a sticker on the mirror or a card on the sink and it says, you know, if you'd like to conserve the environment and you're happy to continue to use one towel, then please hang the towel up. But if you drop the towel on the floor or put it in the bath, then we know that you'd like a fresh one prepared. And you know something I can in a hotel, wake up in the morning, look at the bed and think I didn't, I didn't move much in the bed. I can take four pillows and throw them around the room and get the quilt and drop it on the floor. And if I want to, when I'm having a shower, I wanna look after God's earth, I do but there's five towels, one body, five towels, one body, five towels. And the five towels are saying, my precious, and I can if I want, get out of the shower, use one towel on one leg and drop it on the floor. Another towel over here, another towel on this part, another towel on this part, another towel, put it on my head. I could do that in a hotel because I have no responsibility whatsoever. But how many of you know I don't live in a hotel, and if I te- treat my house like that, did I, did I tell you uh, my wife's Latin? <laughs> I, I, listen, I, Jesus calls it a house, He doesn't call it a hotel. Welcome to the house of God. I, I heard a story about a, about a husband and wife who were sitting in the lounge room and their teenage son came home from college, A-levels, walked through the front door and at the front door, he's taking off his shoes and dropping his backpack and mum says, hey son, how was college? You know what teenage boys are like, they can't communicate, they grunt. So he grunts and kind of ignored mum and dad and went upstairs to his bedroom. So dad kind of left the living room, went up and sat with his son and said, hey son, I I wanna tell you something, this is your house. And if you're cold, then you gotta know there's there's blankets in the cupboard, you know what that is. You're thirsty, Coke's in the fridge, water in the tap. If you need money, the bank of dad and mum are always open. But son, I gotta tell you something, right? If you want the blessing of the house, then it's time to take some responsibility in this house. So here's what I want you to do. Before you clean up this room, 
Because I want, you know, I paid good money for this carpet to go down. And by the grace of God, I'd like to see that carpet again. So before you pick up the stuff, I want you to go downstairs, kiss the woman who brought you into this world, tell her you love her, and then come up and clean your bedroom. Because if you want the blessing, you'll take responsibility. Jesus calls this a house. He never called it a hotel. And whether Audacious Church is your house of God or you go to a house of God in Bolton or, or Berry, uh, uh, you know, you go into the campuses and locations that we have around the place, whatever house you go to, whatever church you're part of, in your mind, it's either gonna be a ceremony, a hotel, or you're gonna get the revelation just like Jesus. It's a house. And I want you to know, friends, something happens when you take responsibility on the house, in the house, then the blessing that's on the house becomes the blessing upon your own house. And I'm not talking about just taking responsibility in this house, you get the blessing of this house, but the house of God around the world, what God is doing in Colombia and Brazil, come on somebody, what God is doing through Europe, what God is doing in parts of Africa, the blessing of God there becomes part of your blessing because we're part of the house of God. Psalm 27 verse four, one thing I ask, one thing I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Ephesians 2.19, consequently, friends, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, members of God's household. Third observation I wanna make for you from this passage is simply this, is that the house of God is a house to flourish in It's not a house to endure. You ever had a season in your life, you go, oh gosh, gotta go to church again. And sometimes it can be a challenge, especially when our faith is shaken a little bit, especially when things have happened in our family and in our own lives, maybe in business, and it shakes our faith just a little bit. Well, the Bible's really clear that even though there's a time of endurance, there comes a moment of flourishing when you're planted in the house. The Bible word flourish, it means this, to grow luxuriantly and to be in a period of highest productivity. To grow luxuriantly and to be in a period of highest productivity. That planted in the house, you begin to flourish. The Bible says, Psalm 52 verse eight, but I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. Psalm 72 verse seven, In His days, the righteous will flourish, prosperity will abound till the moon is no more. Psalm 92, 12 to 13, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Look at this, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God and they will still bear fruit in old age. And even in old age, we will stay fresh and green when we're planted in the house of God. Now, how many of you know when it comes to plants, there's a difference between a pot plant and a proper plant. You know what I'm talking about? At the back of my house, there are some oak trees that grow over the fence, big oak trees. And we've had a few storms in the years we've been there. And those trees, they, they stand firm. 
You know, the oak, the, the leaves fall in the back garden, which is frustrating. Got to pick up the leaves and the nuts and the squirrels come and bury everything in the grass. But the tree stands firm. But even in the lightest breeze, the pot plant falls over. Last year, 18 months ago, I was up the top of the Burj Khalifa, you know, the big skyscraper. And there was a, a plaque on the wall and the plaque on the wall said this, during storms, the Burj Khalifa can sway at the top by 5.5 feet. I don't know about you, but when you're standing on the top of a skyscraper and it's swaying, there's several things you're praying. And one of them is this, I hope the foundations go deep. And on two occasions, two separate occasions, I've been in Hong Kong and asked to go to the breaking ground ceremony of two of the new skyscrapers in Hong Kong where they've asked me to pray and bless the ground, bless the building, bless the workers and the families, pray for safety and, and, and just understanding the little bit that I know about these massive skyscrapers in Hong Kong and the typhoons that come through, I'm so thankful that their roots go deep. Now in life, we're gonna have challenges. In life, we're gonna hurt, we'll have pain and we will all carry disappointment. The question is this, are we a pot plant or do our roots go deep? Because even in the fiercest storm, you can sway a little bit, you can have questions of faith and even doubts of faith and that's okay. But when your roots go deep, the Bible promises that we will flourish. Hey, let's stop swapping plants. If you are a serial church hopper, how about making a decision to go back to the church you came from and plant yourself or stay here and plant yourself. But the Bible says, unless we're planted, we'll never flourish. We just read all the verses about it. It's a house to flourish in. My fourth observation is this, is that it's a house that is all consuming. It was for Jesus, John 2, 17. Then the disciples remembered the Scriptures speaking about Jesus, where it says, passion for God's house will consume me. This moment that we've read in John chapter two in Mark chapter 11 is the week of the Passover. It's the time when God's people would go to Jerusalem to remember the Passover that had taken place back in Exodus. You remember God speaks to Moses. God's people are in slavery in Egypt. And God says to Moses, go back to Egypt and I want you to lead my people out of slavery. So Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, God says, let my people go. And if you've seen the movie or you've read the book, the Bible, you'll know that Pharaoh kept saying no. And so the last thing to happen was this, is that God said, okay, the angel of death is coming to town. I just want you to know that when COVID hit in 2020, not that I'm calling it the angel of death, but my prayer every day is this, God, don't touch the people planted in the house. Prayed for you every day. Some of you got COVID. You know, none and nobody in our house that I know of were affected in such a negative way that they're still not living their life, thriving. I just prayed every day, may the angel of death not touch this house. And I heard about some of you, some of you went to hospital and I said, may the angel of death not touch that person anymore. 
And this moment here, back in the Old Testament, back in the book of Exodus, <clears throat> the angel of death is gonna come to town and is gonna take your firstborn son. <clears throat> and God said this, here's what's gonna happen. I want you to take some lamb's blood and sprinkle the lamb's blood around the doorpost of your house. And when the angel of death comes to your house and sees the blood of the lamb, then the angel will pass on. Now here's what I want you to see from Mark 11 and John chapter two. Yes, Jesus comes in and He kicks over the tables and He's upset because people were, were missing the point. But what they didn't realise was that on that day in the temple, the Lamb of God was in the house. And in the not too distant future, the Lamb of God was gonna shed His blood on the cross so that we could be in a house where we can flourish, <coughs> where God protects us. And that's why it says here, my house, passion for God's house, will consume me. Thanks, Hayden. I want you to notice here in the text and think about it this way, friends, that the reason we can do what we do as a local church is because there have been people who've been passionate about God's house so much that they have sown time, energy, finance, given, gone, served. Passion for God's house has consumed people that you don't know to make this possible. To make all of our locations possible right now, wherever you're watching from. Passion for God's house has consumed us. And I love this because what Jesus is helping us to understand is this, is that, that it's okay, it should be an all-consuming thing. And I'm not now talking about a ceremony idea, friends. I'm talking about the importance of small groups. Because you can be in a crowded church of thousands of people and feel lonely and still not know anybody. But tell you what we all long for. We all long to know people and we all long to be known. And we all long to be seen. And it's one thing in theory to know that you're seen by God. But it's another thing in practice to be in a faith community in a small group around a table when when you're walking through the storm, someone says, hey, that's okay. God sees and God knows. And not only does God see and God know, but I see and I know. Passion for God's house should be all-consuming because it's not a hotel, it's not a ceremony, it's a family. It's an invitation to family. It's an invitation to be in a house that you call home. Jesus was fiercely devoted to the house. And do you know that feeling, friends, where after a, a busy season, maybe a season of travel or just you're in work and it's just been a busy day or, or you've been away for work and at the end of just a busy season, you know, you know when, you, when you're going home after a little while away or a hectic season, you look and you say, wow, I've got the day off tomorrow. I've got a week off work. And you go home, you walk through the door after a hectic season and you go, <sighs> home. That's the house of God. Not just Sundays, but the family of God. And you know, after being shut down in COVID, 
we did the least amount of shutdown that we could possibly get away with. And then just on our weekly calls that some of us had with our Prime Minister's office and demanding that he opens the door for church. And I gotta tell you, our first Sunday open after lockdown, as I stood on that door, we all had masks and remember social distancing and PTSD we still have as a result of that. You may know the amount of people who walk through this door and they just burst into tears. And when I saw that, I knew, yeah, it's not a ceremony or a hotel. It's a house. It's home. He calls it a house. My final observation for you as the musos come is this. I, I want you to notice here that he calls it a house of intimacy. It's not a business transaction. A house of intimacy, not a business transaction. See, the Bible says in Mark 11 that Jesus entered into the temple area. The temple area is our foyer. The temple area was the only part of the temple, the temple area was the only part of the temple where non-Jews, Gentiles and women were allowed to go. Only men were able to actually go into the temple itself. And so Jesus comes into the foyer, He comes into the, the, the temple area and He's met by people buying and selling. Now, what were they buying and selling? They were buying and selling the very things that God had said in the Old Testament, people needed to purchase in order to get forgiveness of sins. There was the buying and selling of lambs, doves. Josephus, a second century historian. So 1800 years ago, he said this. He said, it was not uncommon during the feast of the Passover, Mark 11, John 2, it was not uncommon that in the temple area, up to a quarter of a million livestock would be bought and sold for ritual sacrifice. Because blood was important for forgiveness. So the image that we have here in Mark 11 is the image of Wall Street with people shouting and, and sweating and clamouring for attention. Now add to that a quarter of a million sheep. And that's what Jesus ran into as He stepped into the temple area. Chaos. Busy. And yet they were doing everything they should be doing. You see, here's one of my observations. Every, every growing church is a busy church. Gosh, you should see our strategic ops team and the sheets and the, and the online reports. And all. I mean, oh my gosh, I, I look at it and it just boggles my mind. And I'm so glad that somebody deals with that. Because it looks like chaos to me, but somehow it works. Thanks, Hannah and Molly and all the team. Every growing church is a busy church. And it should be busy. But we've got to remember the point. It's Jesus. The, the, the point is not, is not so these guys can, you know, it's not about Deb on stage singing and looking beautiful. Oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. No, 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 you talk to Deb, she'll tell you. It's, it's just, it's about Jesus. Busy, yes, but Jesus centric. Not this is my ministry. This is this is this like this is this is. If I don't do this, then my life is not valued. No, no, no. It's 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 always 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 been about Jesus. The stuff of church is important, but don't forget Jesus. You know, some years ago, 1987, my family left Australia to move to Manchester, where my dad pastored a church, 60, 70 people. 
and, and, and it was a church that, that had got stuck. It got stuck in the way it used to be. And so one of the things Dad did one day is he said, Glenn, take, take some time off school. I said, awesome, Dad, and went to church with him and, and we removed the pews from the church auditorium that week and uh, ripped up the carpet uh, and we knocked down the, the, big, the big platform, made it one step up and, and bought some new chairs, new carpet, new paint, because, because there was just something about the stuff that was so important to people. People sat in the same seat every Sunday. Maybe you do too. Dad piled up all the chairs and the big oak lectern and he poured petrol on it and he threw me a box of matches. He said, light it. I said, why me? He said, because I want to tell everyone you did it. I don't want to get in trouble. And Julie and John are here. Julie and John will tell you that that was a catalyst for nearly half of the church walking out. And my dad for the next season was in tears. But gosh, not too long later, Souls, souls, don't fit in the building. Let's use a sixth form college. And the whole point of Dad's radical exercise was this. Don't make it about the building. Don't make it about the chairs. Don't make it about your role. Make it about Jesus. It's always only ever been about Jesus. It's the most important thing ever. So come on, let's be busy. Let's be busy. Yeah, get on team, please. We need you on team. We're running four services on Central. We need you. We need more singers. We need more musicians. Ben can't even play the piano, but look at him. He's up there having a go. We're gonna send out missions teams. Go on mission, go on mission, go on mission this year. It'll change your life. Do do, do our Monday night Bible college. Do our short-term Bible college. Get busy. My name's Glenn. It's Welsh. I'm a dad of Welsh. They gave me the name Glyn so that everywhere I go around the world, people will know I'm Welsh. I said to my mum, people don't think I'm Welsh. They just think I'm stupid because I've got no vowels in my name. About 10 years ago, 12 years ago maybe, I went to visit a very elderly lady in the valleys of South Wales where mum and dad grew up. Her name was Mrs. Tim. Mrs. Tim's husband, Tim, led my dad to the Lord, was involved in that whole process of my dad getting saved. And every now and again, I would just visit her. And I went to visit Mrs. Tim and she answered the door. We went in, I made her a cup of tea. I brought her her biscuits and I went into her living room where there was two chairs, only two chairs. She lived alone, lived alone for about 40 years, but two chairs in the living room. And I brought her her cup of tea and and I stood waiting because I'd been through this exercise a few times with Mrs. Tim. She looked at me, she said, it's okay, boy. Boy, she said, you can sit in Jesus' chair. I would always go through the thing. You don't think Jesus will mind me sitting in His chair? She's like, don't be so daft, boy. And I'd sit down and she'd say to me, do you know why I call it Jesus' chair? I'd say, why? She said, because every morning I wake up, I come down, I sit in my chair and I talk to Jesus like He's in that chair because He's everywhere, you know. And the last time I saw her before she went to heaven, she told me this story. She said, you know, Glenn, yesterday I was praying and I realised the gas bill was due yesterday. It was due today. And she said, I I realised that the pension had been mixed up and my husband's mining pension hadn't come in properly and I didn't have the money to pay the 20 pound gas bill. That's all it was, 20 pounds a week. And it was due today, but I didn't have the money in my account. And I said to the Lord, Lord, Your Word says that that I was young, now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. So I'm not gonna beg, I'm just gonna ask, Lord, I need Your help. 
And she said, I'd continue to pray. You know, up until the day she died, she prayed for this house every day. She prayed for you. She said, you know, before I said amen in my prayer, there was a knock at the door and I got to the door. There was no one there, but there was an envelope. She said, I bent down to get the envelope. It took me a long time to get down. Took me even longer to get back up, said this 93, 94 year old woman. She said, I opened the envelope and do you know what was in the envelope? I said, 20 quid, Mrs. Tim. She said, don't be so daft, boyo. He's much more generous than that. There was 50 quid in the envelope. How do you know Jesus? How do you know this place? Is this place a ceremony? Is it a hotel? Is it a place that you endure? Is it a place where, you, where you're, you're busy? Why are you coming into this house to meet the head of the house? Sight unseen, but He's here. We arrive to worship. We give our finance to honour Him first. We serve on team. We get in a small group to be seen, to be known, to do community. And I wanna say, church, welcome to the house of God. In Jesus' Name. I wanna take a moment to pray. Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes in this place? The reality is this, is that in this room right now and in every location of our church, there are people who are saying to me in a moment like this, Glenn, I actually don't know Jesus. I don't know the God of heaven that we have been worshipping and that you have been speaking about today. Maybe you know church. Maybe you know religion or religious duty. But you're saying, I don't know Jesus in the way that old lady, Mrs. Tim, knew Jesus. Right now, at this point of your spiritual journey, you're saying, I, I, I recognise, I see my need to know God. I need God in my life. Before I hand the microphone over to the team and as we wrap up this service, I wanna ask you, do you know Jesus? He wants to know you, He knows you already, He sees you already. But maybe it's time right now for you to experience what it is to have a relationship with the God of heaven and earth who has a plan and a purpose for your life. I wanna include you in this prayer. In a moment, I'm just gonna ask you to lift your hand and drop it down. Not yet, in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand and drop it down. And then I'm gonna pray a prayer from the front and that's gonna be it. Because God sees you, God knows this moment. And I believe God brought you here for this moment to hear this message and you could realise your need of a relationship with God. So friends, you've been on a journey, you've been through life and yet there's a God-shaped hole that can only be filled with the person of Jesus Christ, a relationship with God in heaven, the God of the Bible that we read about. So if that's you, you're saying, Glenn, in this moment, would you include me in this prayer? Just where I sit, I want God to see me. I'm responding in this moment. I wanna get my life right with God. Then I'm gonna count to three and I'm just gonna ask you quickly, throw your hand up in the air so I can see. Here we go. One, two, three. Quickly, right now, lift your hand nice and high. And you hold it up for me. Just hold it up so I can see. Thank you, 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 thank you. Others, 
Others, hold it up nice and high just so I can see. I don't wanna miss anybody. I don't wanna miss anybody. I wanna see who it is. Thank you, thank you. It's beautiful. I don't mean to embarrass you. I don't, make it, I don't mean to make it too awkward. Quick, you wanna join these 12, 13, 14, 15 people? Lift their hands. Anybody else? Amazing. You can drop your hand down again in this place. People responding also in all of our campuses and all of our locations in this moment. Well, church, listen, a whole heap of people have lifted their hands. How great is that, hey? That people are connecting with the God of heaven and earth today. Oh, you know, God's real, God cares, God sees you, God loves you, and He's got a beautiful plan for your life. I'm gonna pray a prayer. I wanna show you how prayer, how simple prayer is. And it just simply goes like this. If you lifted your hand, pray this prayer out loud with me, but you're not alone because we're all gonna pray this prayer out loud. Come on, let's say this together. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank You for this moment. I'm sorry I've lived my life without You. I recognise I need You in my life. So I invite You into my world. Come and be my God. Help me to live for You. And I thank You that everything is changing in this moment because You are my God, I am Your child. Help me to live for You in Jesus' Name. Now listen, if you lifted your hand a moment ago, maybe one of the team would have seen you. And what we wanna do is we wanna put a Bible in your hand to help you on your journey of connecting with the Lord. What does that look like? If nobody comes to you and gives you a Bible, then just pick on one of the team, anyone. Say, hey, listen, I put my hand up. I want my free Bible and we'd love to help you get connected with Jesus. Hey, everybody, welcome to the house of God. God's good. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.